0: Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. All right. So, we have covered the quadrant-based diagnoses, appendicitis, diverticulitis, biliary, and pancreatitis. We've covered our bowel ease, bowel obstruction, bowel ischemia, bowel perforations, and bowel twisting, volvulus, volvuli. This week is a big... Big transition on your differential because we are moving beyond GI causes of abdominal pain to another big category GU, genitourinary causes of abdominal pain. Still, critical diagnoses can't miss. All is on your CDEM fourth year recommended curriculum. So let's go. Hello, Dr. Olson. I have a 35 year old female with no surgical history and no significant past medical history who presents with abdominal pain. She describes it as a continuous, suddenly worsening lower abdominal pain and it's been worsening for about 3 days. She has had some vaginal spotting. She denies fever, vomiting, vaginal discharge, stool changes, urinary symptoms or any other symptoms at this time. She is afebrile. She doesn't have any tachycardia. Vital signs are within normal limits on exam. She has moderate tenderness of the right lower quadrant with some voluntary guarding but no involuntary guarding, no rebound. I think it might be an ovarian cyst actually, but we obviously have to rule out appendicitis, ectopic pregnancy, and ovarian torsion. For my testing plan, I want to get a CBC, BMP, urine, urine pregnancy, and probably a pelvic ultrasound. And for my treatment plan, I'd like to get her some fluids and some pain medicine, probably a Tylenol or something, see if we can't improve her symptoms. All right, so today we are going to start with the single biggest topic on our list of genito urinary causes of abdominal pain the queen mother ectopic pregnancy ectopic pregnancy the leading cause of maternal death in the first trimester young healthy women ectopic pregnancy it's a big deal the most important thing to remember today all women of childbearing age that present with symptoms attributable to an ectopic pregnancy abdominal pain Vaginal spotting, bleeding, and uh, syncope, probably another one. All women of childbearing age with abdominal pain needs what? A pregnancy test. This goes in your testing plan, you guys. This is a easy freebie every time. All of these women need a pregnancy test. Why? Because you don't want to miss, like I said, an ectopic pregnancy. But there is some nuance here. And so we are going to go in depth on this today, especially I feel like with the testing plan, that's going to be a good part. So let's start with history. There are a few real big ones here. First of all, here are just your numbers. 90% of women with ectopic pregnancy will have abdominal pain. 70% will realize that they haven't had a period in a while. And 50% will have vaginal spotting or bleeding. Abdominal pain, amenorrhea, vaginal bleeding, that's your classic ectopic pregnancy triad. Notice that it's not 100%, but all women with these symptoms that are childbearing age need a pregnancy test. The other big thing on history, and this is a classic test trick, which is why I'm putting it in here. Let's say you have a patient they have a positive pregnancy test and they have abdominal pain and there's a there's just basically a big red flag that you want to recognize and that is a patient who has been on fertility treatments in the classic cases you have a patient on fertility treatments and you get an ultrasound cuz they're right they have a positive pregnancy test with abdominal pain so you're looking for an ectopic and let's say you actually see an intrauterine pregnancy have you ruled out an ectopic pregnancy and the answer is not necessarily and here's why We know that being on fertility treatments significantly increases your risk of having twins. So, it is definitely theoretically possible, and it does happen, where a patient is on fertility treatments and the doctor sees an intrauterine pregnancy, and this causes them to miss the twin pregnancy that's stuck in a fallopian tube. It's called a heterotopic pregnancy. It's a big miss. And that's why fertility treatments is. Probably the most classic big red flag with pregnancy-related first trimester abdominal pain. So that's the important stuff on history. I don't want to spend too much time here because, again, testing is going to take a little bit. Abdominal pain, vaginal bleeding, amenorrhea, that's your classic ectopic pregnancy triad. And if you identify a patient that is on fertility treatments, you need to put that in your presentation. That's very important. Now, let's keep on going. Exam. I don't want to spend too much time here either. Know some obvious stuff. Abdominal tenderness, and especially if the patient has rebound or guarding, uh, obviously important. Pelvic exam is debated on whether it's required or not. I tend to be in the it's not that required category. But if you do a pelvic exam, you're feeling and looking for adnexal tenderness, masses, that type of thing. Nothing too fancy here, though. The only, the big thing on exam that you need to know, this is the tricky examination thing, specifically with ectopic pregnancy. So these ruptured ectopic pregnancies are bleeding out, right, in a young adult. So you would expect that this patient would have some tachycardia. You would expect that they they rupture and the heart rate goes up and up and up, and then their blood pressure slowly goes down, down, and down, right? Shock index? No, that is wrong. It is known, Khaleesi, that blood in the abdomen stimulates the peritoneum and causes a vagal response. So frequently, in a patient with a ruptured ectopic, you will actually see a normal or even a low heart rate in hemorrhaging ruptured ectopic pregnancy. And you need to know that. In our little sample case today, even I almost missed that because initially when I wrote the case, I was like, oh, she's got a little bit of tachycardia. But no, in ectopic pregnancy, you will frequently see a normal heart rate. And so you need to be very, very, very careful. All right, so that's done with history. That's exam, basic stuff, but a few pearls in there, you know, watching out for the normal heart rate and watching out for the the, um, fertility treatments. So the big part of this episode, testing plan. So this is big. So I need you to focus down, pay attention. A few things that you need to put specifically in your testing plan if you're thinking ectopic pregnancy. You need to put in type and screen. A, because you need their blood type. Remember, a pregnant patient that is RH negative she needs Rogam if she's exposed to fetal blood. So you get a type in screen in case you need to give them rogam because you're screening for that RH negative status, right? The other thing is in case you need to get blood. The reason ectopic pregnancy moms die is because they bleed out. So a type in screen, obviously very important, just like it would be with a massive GI bleed or something like that or in trauma. But let's get down to business. This is where it gets super tricky. So the first thing you order in all pregnant women with first trimester abdominal pain or vaginal bleeding is a pelvic ultrasound. And this is a yes or no. Do you see a gestational sac with a yolk sac? Do you see an intrauterine pregnancy, an IUP? Yes or no. You get a pelvic ultrasound in all of these patients. Yes or no. Is there an intrauterine pregnancy? That is a key decision point. The other important test that you need to get, so type in screen, pelvic ultrasound. You have your positive pregnancy test already, right? You also need to get something called a beta HCG quantitative. So your HCG, your pregnancy test quantitative mean means quantifying how much HCG there actually is in the bloodstream. So the pregnancy test you got when they arrived was a yes, no, qualitative HCG test. It basically meaning, you know, yes or no was. HCG present or not. And if yes, then you know that the patient is pregnant. That's a pregnancy test. But the last thing you need this week is actually a quantitative beta HCG, because this is going to help you try to at least estimate how far along this pregnancy might be. That's why this test is important. And you're going to get back a number on this. And if there's weird like units in other countries, I'm sorry, but, um, but just at least for listeners in America, I, I need you all to listen. 1,500. That is your magic number. 1,500. A beta HCG quantitative of 1,500. You need to know that cutoff. Here is the most difficult part of this episode. This is where med students, residents, probably not attendings, but med students and residents get confused here. Okay, You need to learn these following four albeit arbitrary, categories that I have created that are going to help you always understand the first trimester pregnant abdominal pain, okay? Pay attention. You're going to understand the the diagnosis of ectopic pregnancies forever. So option one, the patient is pregnant. If the patient has an intrauterine pregnancy seen on ultrasound in a quantitative HCG of greater than 1,500, the patient obviously has a confirmed pregnancy, okay? So your HCG is greater than 1,500. You see an IUP on, on the ultrasound. That's category one. That's a pregnancy. Option two. Also a confirmed pregnancy. If the patient has an intrauterine pregnancy seen on ultrasound and the beta quantitative is less than 1,500, that just means you have a really good ultrasound tech and radiologist. That patient still has a confirmed pregnancy. So that's category two. So category one, category two are both pregnancies. If you see an intrauterine pregnancy on ultrasound, uh, whether the quantitative is over 1,500 or less than 1,500, that's a pregnancy. Those categories are easy. This is where it gets tricky, though. This is where I want you to pay attention. So your third category, ectopic pregnancy. Okay? So if that patient does not have an intrauterine pregnancy seen on the ultrasound and that beta quantitative, that HCG, is greater than 1,500, in all likelihood, there's there's a big chance you're dealing with an ectopic pregnancy. So nothing seen on the ultrasound hCG over 1500 quite possibly an ectopic pregnancy. And then the fourth category, this is the one, this is the the one that you guys always mess up. This is the possible ectopic. So, if the patient does not have an intrauterine pregnancy seen on ultrasound and their beta quantitative is less than 1500, this is the tricky one. This is a possible ectopic pregnancy or possibly a pregnancy. This is the category that you need to focus all of your attention on. If you need to spend mental energy, it's on what do you do in the situation where the ultrasound is negative and the hCG is less than 1500, because the other three categories are pretty clear-cut. It's a possible ectopic pregnancy, and that's what you need to remember. So let's go for let's go through these four important categories one more time. Option one, pregnancy, the patient has an intrauterine pregnancy seen on ultrasound, the beta quantitative is over 1,500. Option two, pregnancy, if the patient has an intrauterine pregnancy seen on ultrasound and the beta quantitative is less than 1,500, that just means you have a really good ultrasound tech, that's a confirmed pregnancy. Option three ectopic pregnancy. If the patient does not have an intrauterine pregnancy seen on ultrasound, you don't see it on ultrasound, and that beta quantitative is higher than 1,500, that's an ectopic pregnancy. And then option four, the tricky one, is possible ectopic pregnancy. If the patient does not have an intrauterine pregnancy seen on ultrasound, and that beta quantitative is less than 1,500, this is a possible ectopic pregnancy. Okay? I can make this even even easier for you. If you see a pregnancy on the ultrasound, they probably have a normal pregnancy. If you don't see a pregnancy on the ultrasound, then no matter what the HCG is, it doesn't even matter. It's possibly an ectopic. And if that HCG is really, really high, the higher it gets, the more concerned you are that it's an ectopic pregnancy. Okay. So that's your testing plan. You're getting some basic labs. You get the type and screen. You're getting a pelvic ultrasound you get the beta quant. And then you put them into one of those four categories. Okay. So. Now, let's wrap up with treatment plan. If your patient is in category three, ectopic pregnancy, suspected ectopic pregnancy, if that patient does not have an intrauterine pregnancy seen on ultrasound and the beta quantitative is over 1,500, you need to formally consult OBGYN and you document the conversation. You write down the time you talk to them and you do what your OBGYN says, but you, you need to have this conversation saying, hey, I think this person might have an ectopic. What you'll see is if there's some uncertainty, these patients will get observed, but the treatment for ectopic, the definitive treatment for an ectopic is basically going to be either to go to the operating room or it's going to be to start a medicine, something like methotrexate and the OBGYNs make that choice off of multiple different factors, mostly the size of the suspected ectopic, but that's kind of the general treatment gist when you suspect an ectopic pregnancy. If your patient is in category four, the possible ectopic, so if the patient, pay attention here, so if the patient does not have an intrauterine pregnancy on ultrasound and the beta quant is less than 1,500, your treatment plan is going to be based totally off of how the patient looks. There's a big range on what you can do here because if they look bad, presume ectopic, and you're going to do the same thing as before. You're going to consult OBGYN. And so this is a pearl I need to tell you. So ectopic pregnancies, it is known frequently rupture at levels below 1,500 below that discriminatory zone and happens all the time. And part of that is because ectopic pregnancies, that beta HCG doesn't go up at the same rate as a normal pregnancy. All, and here's another fact, all ectopics have a beta HCG of less than 1,500 at some point, right? So you're really making this based off how the patient looks. And if they look really bad and have a concerning story, like I have sudden onset abdominal pain and then I passed out and now they're hypotensive and they're pale and they're like, oh, you know, and there's like this huge, like, you know, right. Okay. I think you get the point. The flip side of that, though, is if this patient is in category four and you're not quite sure whether it's an ectopic or not, if they look good, you still presume a possible ectopic. But more or less what you're doing is these patients can, I mean, you can still have these patients follow up in in OBGYN clinic and they get the repeat quant, they get the repeat examination. You're just giving really close return precautions. And that's kind of how you do this. Because if they look good and you don't see an IUP and the quant is less than 1,500, then maybe it's just an early pregnancy, right? You just don't really know. So you just have to be very, very careful in these situations. That's the overall approach to ectopic pregnancy. That wraps up this episode. Ectopic pregnancy is the number one killer in the first trimester. You're going to see this and it's a real, real, for realsy life threat. All women of childbearing age with abdominal pain or vaginal bleeding or syncope need a pregnancy test. That wraps up this episode. Follow the Facebook group. I hope you guys are having a great clerkship season. Please tell a friend about the podcast. Until next week, keep working hard, keep studying, And be sure to enjoy your shift.